0: Today my guest is Victoria Washington, part medicine woman, part business wizard, part straight-talking spiritual best friend to her Instagram community and beyond. Through her signature methodology, Wealth Embodiment Flow, also known as WeFlow, women are guided through a series of postures, breath patterns, and mantras that help them to release financial trauma from their bodies and water the seeds of their most abundant realities. In this conversation, Victoria shares her journey from bankruptcy to building a seven-figure brand, the book that started Victoria's financial empowerment journey, how it's super important to bring body on our wealth journey and let our bodies lead the way to wealth. What is the frequency of wealth and how can you embody it? What led Victoria to the coaching world and to financial empowerment? We also talk about the energetic shift from maverick to mogul, trusting the mystery, how surrender and claiming her relationship with God changed everything on her journey. She also shared a human design tip for manifestors, which both her and I are, that I found to be super, super helpful. If you are into the conversation of money and financial empowerment and wealth, then definitely check out episode 205. Let's talk about money, where I share my own journey to wealth and all of the different breakthroughs that I've been recently having that are honestly changing everything. And of course, check out Victoria's work on Wealth Embodiment Flow. It is so beautiful and full of so much wisdom. Before we dive into this conversation, I want to let you know that the podcast will be changing its name. I got a huge download the other day when I've been praying for for years and it's all become so clear and I'm working with a fantastic branding team to create the visual world of what it is but energetically I'm sure that you can already tap into it with some of the recent episodes so be on the lookout for that if you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple or Spotify and you all of a sudden see a new cover and a new name that is it I'm so so excited to share it with you coming this summer. I also want to thank the sponsor of this episode, Solar Biotics, which I've been taking every single day and anytime I feel a little bit under the weather, it really, really helps. So I'm always just so grateful to be partnering with integrity quality brands that I actually use and stand for and use all the time. So I'll be sharing more about that a little bit into the episode. And in the meantime, I'm so grateful and excited to introduce the brilliant Victoria Washington. Victoria, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. As I was just telling you off the record, you came into my world through a few different people kind of at the same time. And I find that when it happens like that, there's something to it. And I always like to honor those spirit connections and follow through. So I'm grateful that you said yes to my invitation to be in this conversation. And I'm just so excited to share the unusual Revolutionary, exciting way that you have approached money and how you have brought together somatic movement, business strategy, and spiritual channeled wisdom. All of these things on their own are so powerful and beautiful, but the way you have embodied them through your own experience and brought them through his teachings is so powerful. And I'm stoked to chat. Welcome. Thank you so much. That's
1: such a beautiful introduction. And I'm really excited to be here with you.
0: So you have a few key stories that I've picked up on through your social media and other podcasts I've listened to, and one of them being you going from bankruptcy to running a seven-figure business within a matter of three years. I would love to perhaps start there and see where the conversation takes us from there. And Maybe even taking this kind of time travel journey to three years ago, how you think why bankruptcy came into your experience, what it came in to teach you, and then what choices and mindsets and healing work that you found yourself doing to move past that and to create the new reality that you're in now. A couple different things. When I think back to that
1: time, I remember bankruptcy representing the ultimate surrender, And the ultimate moment of humility. And I have an analogy that I use in my classes that there's the first mountain, which will require your grit. It it will require you to really problem solve and climb and go all the different ways to find out who you really are and what you're really made of. And then the second mountain will require humility, it will require you to understand who you are when you don't have pressure in the room. So how do you move when there's not the pressure telling you now it's time to move and bankruptcy really represented a decision that forced me into a state of surrender where I can figure out not who I was under pressure, but who was I in the mystery? Who was I in the in-between? Who was I when I didn't know what was up or down or right or left? How would I lead myself through this? And how would I not just climb this mountain, but actually appreciate the journey to the peak? And. I was so empty and there was nothing left at that point that anything was beautiful. And that really taught me how much we get so caught up in where we're going and and how we're going to get there and getting there first and getting there fast. And we forget to deepen into the present moment. So it became less about me creating a new reality and more about me appreciating the reality that I was in, in that moment and everything else was stacking on top of that.
0: How did you come to that realization? What kind of practices or healing or healing modalities or experiences led you to truly allow yourself to be present in that experience instead of like this hustle mentality that we see so much in our culture of, okay, let's fix this. Let's get out of this. What's the next thing?
1: So I think what's so amazing about the work that we get to do as leaders and the work that we get to do when we have a big mission is there's a lot that we're going to do on our own. And there's a lot that we're going to do in partnership with unseen forces. And as much as I wish I could say like, this is the practice that taught me this. And that was the practice that taught me that there's something called the continuum. And when you look up the dictionary definition of continuum, it's all these little moments that when zoomed out, look like one moment. And when you're in that, momentum of life is really taking me on a ride right now life is taking me some deeper depths life is life is not always blowing my mind it is doing things that i did not expect it to do it's hard to remember how because all you can really do is give yourself more to the moment and the and the more that you give yourself to the moment the more that you're able to ride into the next wave so i can't say how but i remember continuously being in prayer continuously strengthening my relationship with God continuously understanding why my voice is on this planet continuously choosing that it gets to be how I'm it's meant to be continuously trusting and you know that's a practice in itself and at the time I didn't have a ton of money to like invest in healing I didn't even have money to barely pay rent so I wasn't necessarily in a conversation of healing I was in a conversation of really very simply choosing each moment,
0: moment to moment to moment to moment. You speak very openly and so powerfully about co-creating with the divine and co-creating with God and surrendering to God. Has it always been like that in your experience? When was your spiritual, what was your spiritual kind of development like? And when do you remember your first experiences of that sort?
1: I grew up with a lot of religious trauma in the church, like I think a lot of people have. And I went to Catholic school for a short amount of time. And then I had a Baptist church that I would go to that felt really scary and not very not very homely. So I didn't really have a relationship with God as a young child. I knew that there was a great amount of miracles and faith available to us in this human life. But I didn't say God, or I didn't know where to direct that faith. And then why, when I was around 15 or 16, my mom took me to a non-denominational church and Marianne Williamson was our pastor then. And she wrote a book called a return to love. And this was before, you know, I even knew who Marianne was or all of the amazingness that she is today but this was back when she was in Michigan and just, you know, she was part of the church and part of the, the symphony there. And I remember being there and saying, this is it, like, that's, that's the God, that's the relationship with God that I want to have, how she's speaking, how she was inviting me in. I just, I'll never forget that. And thankfully I've gotten a chance to meet her and tell her face to face that that moment really changed my life. And her book, A Return to Love changed the way that I perceive God and in return perceive myself because i cannot perceive myself if i feel shame around the god that created the face i'm looking at and i had to address the the shame and the stigma that i had on my relationship with god and the way that it was projected at that time and then like any other 18 year old i threw all that to the wind and said f you i'm going to go do my own thing and nothing was making sense then i was very rebellious and not connected to anything and then in my 20s, I had a spiritual awakening like many people do, and I started to find yoga. I was a yoga teacher for eight years and felt very connected to spirituality. So I wasn't using the word God, but I was in connection with spirit and in meditation with that. And then one day, I, as I was in the coaching industry, I started to feel something was off when I would say, spirit, source energy like i noticed so many people would say all these other words but nobody was saying god and i heard the words god created the universe god isn't the universe and it clicked in my body of wait a second there's something that i'm hiding here there's something that feels scary about just outright saying i'm in a relationship with god i co-create with god god is moving through me into my business and i actually created a post this was back in 2018 that said i'm no longer using universe as a replacement to the word God. I will exist and expand in the universe as God would have me move. And I wasn't telling anybody what to do, but I was just sort of stating what I was willing to bring into the spiritual space and has so much so much beauty come from that declaration. And so many beautiful conversations were started of women and humans who have been wanting to be more public about their relationship with God, but were afraid that it would offend someone or and I, all the things that people get afraid of when you're about to be in your full truth. And I kid you not, the growth, the evolution, the love, the commitment, the devotion in my business and in my life increased tremendously. Like everything changed when I just allowed myself to be held by that love and not try to make it something else. So for me it is And non negotiable to just be open about it and and trust that everybody's going to have their own way and their own
0: truth. And that's okay too. So powerful. I wonder how many people listening are activated by this because this has been something that has been on my mind very actively. Uh, When I got into the world of spirituality through yoga and meditation in my 20s, I felt weird about the word God. I thought it's just a religious word. I didn't grow up with much religion. So for me, I was just like, this is for that world. I don't know much about it. I'm spiritual, you know, like on dating apps, you select spiritual, but not religious. That was me through and through. And lately, the more I've had medicine journeys and experiences with mother nature, the more, and also actually with Marianne Williamson and Return to Love and A Course in Miracles has been a huge teacher the more I am present and accepting of the word, the concept, the power of God. And yet there's part of me that is tiptoes around it quite a bit in the fear of it being perceived too religious or too something. And I can feel the sense of liberation in just claiming it and stopping to use all the placeholders to please people and to fit into a paradigm that is more familiar and known. And when I think about people like you, my friend Aaron Rose, who have openly started talking about God as God instead of universe and source and all these other words, Mother Gaia, there's such presence, there's such groundedness, there's such ownership of who you are, what you came here to do, and this co creation with everything that is. It's really powerful. I'm curious, you know, when you said that you did that, it changed everything. Was there a fear that people would pursue it weird, but then you actually found it to be the opposite, or did you get any kind of weird reactions, but at that point, it didn't really matter at all?
1: I got nothing but love, and a lot of people saying and reflecting back to me what you just expressed, it gave them a liberation and a curiosity to discover where they're also masking a potentially beautiful relationship in their life, and uh, I actually got louder about it and I, it was a really fun time. I remember that chapter of just, I love God. God is like, I just had so much fun sharing about this beautiful relationship and my connection with prayer and how much that has emboldened me and my voice and my vitality. Everyone was asking like, how do you stand on steady ground? I'm not standing alone and I'm not afraid to tell you. What I'm standing with, and it really created a lot of permission in my community. I will say, when I started talking about Christ, and when I started being more open about the 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 gospel and the worship and the love that I have with Christ and the relationship that I have with Christ in union with God, that had not necessarily polarity, but a lot of a lot more questions. It's a little bit more triggering for people, and a lot of people were asking me to label myself under a specific religion. And I refuse to do that. And I don't I don't answer those questions of are you Christian? Are you this or you that? I am at this point in my life not not open to that. And I'm very open about how I relate to God, my relationship with God. And and I love to bring people into my worship. I love to share my prayers, share different songs, share the the sermons that I'm listening to. And it's all very freeing and it's it's this moment of surrender of trusting that we are each walking the walk we are meant to take and it's not my job to convince anybody of anything it's my job to remain true and trust that the people who want to join me will join me and trusting everybody's going to be in their power to find what answers serve them in the timing that's meant for them so that's also created a lot of beautiful space for multiple truths to exist in my world. And a lot of women and, and even men and humans in general who are in my spaces, they can feel that acceptance. And so it allows for everyone to, you know, coexist in a really
0: beautiful way. And I'm very proud of that and want to continue that. You mentioned coaching industry. At what point did you learn about the coaching industry and hear the whisper that you were meant to be part of it? And how did that develop alongside your spiritual journey?
1: This is a beautiful question. While wow. it's taking me back, I was in Chicago at the time, taught yoga for eight, at that time it was around four years. And my good friend, Sarah Small, who is also a coach, shout out to Sarah Small, she and I were doing health coaching. She was supporting me with some gut healing and she was starting her business as a health coach. And I was so interested. I have an entrepreneurial spirit at heart. And I was just kind of observing and watching like, okay, that could be an option, but I was still working in corporate America at the time. And uh, she'd mentioned this group coaching program that was helping get her business off the ground. And I was like, that's so cool. That, like people help with that. And uh, I ended up going in, in on the page and in that group program. And it wasn't the greatest experience, full transparency, but it showed me this whole world. I was like, what? People make $5,000 a month? Wait there's facebook ads wait you can post things online like your your feelings and your you know i was kind of already doing that with my yoga community but i didn't realize that there was like content creation i had no idea there was like a way to use social media in this way so that was my first introduction to the coaching industry and as a natural writer and speaker and somebody who guides transformation it just went in that direction and i remember launching my first facebook group fear what did, what was it called it was called fearless is my spirit animal <laughs> and i yeah. went live in there and did lessons and eventually started launching programs and courses and i started off as a spiritual mentor and a soul purpose coach and i supported women specifically in transitioning from corporate america into what they love and then that transformed into
0: other different industries but that's how it began how did that transform into what it is now and how, you know, as you were sharing about the content you were doing before as a yoga teacher, and then with the transformation of your offerings and the work you were doing in the world, how did your relationship with social media and what you're sharing there and how you're connecting people there go? Because the conversation I I hear so much is that pivot, that choice, that powerful choice to go from this to this and openly talk about it and the brand pivots, the, how sort of the outer can beautifully hold the container of this inner transformation of our work and your branding and your visual world and your emails, like everything is so thought through and so beautiful. So I'm curious what your experience of creating that was and the pivots that were needed along the way.
1: Well, for me, social media was a place to express my thoughts in real time. And I think everybody used it. Like that's how Facebook was designed. And the shift is going from I'm going to pop in and share something random and remind people that I exist to I'm important and what I have to say matters. And that shifts the words that you use and the way that you position yourself and the ways in which you use social media. And it was very, very uncomfortable to make that pivot because my audience was mainly people who knew me as, you know, a friend or a family member or somebody that just says, you know, amazing things here and there. I always would get the compliment that my writing is really beautiful or the way that I, you know, stream together words is really thought out. So that's, that's naturally who I am. Like if I weren't a coach, I would get a cabin and write poetry books and publish them on Amazon. In fact, that's probably what I'll do in the next like few years. But so I've always been a writer. And to me, social media has been just an amazing universe to infuse god's teachings and god's work through me to this the easiest fastest least resistant way to reach people and then as i started my business i think everybody in the first year or two you're experimenting you're experimenting with colors you're experimenting with graphics you're figuring out you know what's your what's your vibe what's your what's your soul want to say and I remember trying to make it look like something important. And then it ended up looking like everything else that was modeled. And then I shifted into, I'm just going to show up as this is important. And here's exactly how I want to do it. And there's a, a whisper within me that fell and a lot, I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs feel this. You're meant to do it in a way that no one else has done it before. But in the coaching industry, there's all these models of success, just like in society that we're told to operate within. So I had my creative channel that was trying to operate in this model citizen coach and it was not working. And the moment I ripped that off, it just I just I allowed myself to create at the level that I wanted and then over time my craft got sharper and better and more pronounced and I really gave myself to the evolution of the brand versus needing it to be a certain way before I could get started.
0: Were there any specific things about the coaching industry you can think about that you found yourself needing to release to create your own version of your expression in the world?
1: I think there's there's many things. And there was a version of me before, like my old brand. If you were to follow me three years ago, I was like a sacred rebel. I was here to disrupt everything, interrupt everything. I had a lot of problems with the way the industry was run. And I spoke on them very openly in a very polarizing way. And I remember it was the summer of 2019, right after George Floyd was killed. And I was so angry. I was so infuriated with, like we could do better. I was already so infuriated with the coaching industry and the tactics and the regurgitation and just all the things that I think stifle the genius and the creative that decided to support the world. And my dad, I was on the phone with him talking about everything I was seeing. And he said to me, don't be so angry that you can't lead or you forget to lead. And it shocked my whole system into, hang on a second. We can get so caught up in the drama of what's wrong that we forget the destiny that was chosen and is always going to be the way. And so I shifted, I shifted and I went from, you know, always needing to be the one that interrupted the problem to innovating a new system. So I didn't try to improve the current system. I just innovated a new one. And I really had to trust myself in that because the beginning stages of that looked a lot different than what I was seeing. And that trust shaped the woman that you see today in a big, big way. And I felt that anger kind of bubble up sometimes because I care so much and I want us to do really good work in an integrous way. And then I remind myself that you know we can't be so angry that we're not leading and that we're trying to control the narrative. We have to be in the conversation of innovating new narratives and innovating new trails of evidence. And I keep that on my altar always especially back then when I was what felt like a little baby coach just coming in blazing hot.
0: <laughs> what kind of narratives and ways arose from that place? Ways of doing business your way.
1: So right now I have a mastermind called Maverick to Mogul. And the meaning behind the mastermind holds a lot of of weight. And I haven't talked about it publicly because we're in a wait list, behind the scenes launch. But I believe that there's a lot of entrepreneurs that start off like the Mavericks. They're these independent thinkers. They don't want to work in corporate American anymore. They know they want to do something big. If you look up the definition of Maverick, it's it's someone who's meant to do something different in a way that no one has done it before. And it has this, this feeling of fresh, beautiful, blissful, I'm going to stop at nothing. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to fly this plane and I'm going to do this thing. And oftentimes you're unbranded in that you're willing to try anything. You don't want to be connected to to one way or the other. You want to have full freedom. And then there's a shift into the mogul energy. And if you look up the definition of mogul, it's a very important or powerful person who can take that maverick energy and channel it in a direction that creates not just influence, but worldwide impact. And that was the narrative that I had to shift is that I'm this maverick on my own island by myself, lone wolfing, thinking that it's me against the industry or me against the world to, I'm a mogul. I'm here to create a community that pulses with leadership. And I am here to create a trail of evidence with a village for the world. And that narrative inspires and activates and brings people with you versus you needing to be right you being righteous, you being the one that gets there first. Like so many people are worried about getting there first, that they're not paying attention to when God is calling you to a path that could be more delightful and faster than the one that you're currently on. So I remember that coming alive for me and choosing that and letting my brand tell that story.
0: You know, the, one of the lines, one of the threads I'm starting to see that keeps coming up is this choice. I am important and what I say matters. It's this choice to do it not alone, to do it with God and with community, this choice to stand for what you want to see more of instead of being angry at what we don't like. And, you know, back to when you were talking about your, your Facebook pivot and social media pivot, it took you to make that choice within yourself, between you and God. And I find that, So many of us, and I've certainly done that, we wait for some sort of external validation to trust that importance. And we also tend to conflate, I think that's the word, ego with self-importance. When in reality, I think there's a very different quality in this context of this, I am important. How did this unfold for you when you were in the moment of Bankruptcy and choosing to show up in your life moment by moment and started rebuilding your business from scratch, from that place.
1: I love the way you just reflected that back to me. You're a genius. Love this. Like, I just feel wrapped up <laughs> in love right now. I'm so good. And uh, there's a balance between, I won't say the word balance actually, there's the dance between I am nothing and I'm important and this is a really big deal. And I feel that we're each playing that dance. And when you're in relationship with God and you're fully surrendered and you are God's heart work moved through the planet, there is this feeling of, I am nothing without you. I am nothing without the life in my bones and the breath in my lungs that you have chosen to infuse down on the inside of me. I have no idea why you chose me to wake up today. I have no idea why you chose me to live today, but I am and I am, and I am. So there's that emptiness of like, I am nothing. And there's this feeling of gratitude, and I'm everything. And what I'm doing is a really big deal, and it matters. So giving myself permission to be in that dance of humble servitude here for the bigger mission, and I deserve delight. I deserve to be heard. I deserve to have my voice be in partnership with humanity is really important and was a very conscious very conscious part of my my journey from bankruptcy because I remember when I filed bankruptcy it felt like my name became invisible everything was gone the shame was so big and you're almost conditioned to believe that you're going to be behind the rest of your life so i thought that my reputation like everything my name was gone and in that my ego was gone. Like It was definitely an ego death. I remember sitting on the bench and just thinking, how did we get here? You're 29. You're not even 30 yet. How did you get unengaged and file bankruptcy in a year? What the heck happened? So it was everything that was associated with my name was gone. I became nothing. And in that same breath, I became everything for God's mission. And that, that is how I always wanted the story to start and how I want the story to go. And I could have easily been a statistic. But you make that choice in the center of the in-between nothing and everything.
0: So beautifully explained. So what was the rebuilding like from there? What was the journey of, like you say, becoming the frequency of wealth and was that even the intention or was that just the aftermath of that surrender and service
1: that was definitely the aftermath i you know didn't have a plan the next plan was figure out a place to live and find somewhere that didn't need to check my credit <laughs> to be honest and so i had an angel of a woman who allowed me to stay at her house without a lease and she allowed me to you know build myself back up and had a very a rent that i could pay and I made the commitment. I'm going to pay rent every month and I'm going to make that work. And I'm going to honor my word with that. So it was rebuilding my word, rebuilding my trust with myself and her coming into my life really showed me how supported I was because I was so lost and had no idea where I was really going to go. And I had a chance to at least be in a space where I could create. I remember just trying on new things in my business being honest about where I was. I didn't openly come out about the bankruptcy, but I also wasn't playing this mask that everything was perfect. And then I picked up the book, You Are a Badass at Making Money. And it was like the first money book that I had really read. And prior to this, I'd done you know money courses, but they didn't hit for me. It didn't, it didn't make sense to me at the time. So I read this book and I'm going through all the exercises, God bless Jen Sincero. And I remember saying, I'm going to make $10,000 in 30 days. I'm just going to follow the book and do the thing. And I, I remember in that moment, believing with everything that I had, I spent day and night. Um, I had affirmations I'd recorded on my phone. I was listening to them. And when I woke up, I just did everything I could to keep my mind saturated in possibility. So my body could lead me where I knew it wanted to go. Cause the mind is what's going to take you all over the place. And the body is, is ready to roll, but the mind has to really trust. And so I steeped my mind in all of these different affirmations that I would record. I, I heard that if you say it in your own voice, your brain believes it 80% faster. And so I did that. I'm not even kidding you. I'm in my room all day, just immersed in it. And I ended up signing a few different clients within 30 days and ended up having $10,000 a month. And I was like, whoa, it worked. I had no idea how I was going to do it again, but it worked. And it showed me how powerful the mind is when the body is leading for the first time. And I didn't do it again the next month, but I created a plan to do it after that. And I slowly but surely started to build my business back up with a lot of grit, a lot of hard work, a lot of trust, some some risks, some risks that worked out, some risks that didn't work out. But I remember promising to myself that I will never put myself in a financially compromised position again, that I will restore my hope in humanity, and that I will create a relationship with money that represents something big for the world. And making it bigger than me made who I become matter more than money. And that was really nourishing for me. So I was less concerned about making more money right away, and I was more concerned about who am I becoming in this moment? And having that be at the forefront.
0: Who were you becoming? And who is this woman now?
1: I'm still becoming. But if you would have told me that I would be at the helm of a financial revolution, leading a global membership where hundreds of people come to walk in a sacred dance with money, I would have laughed. If you would have told me I would have channeled a whole practice on a somatic financial transformation, I'd have been like, what the heck is that? So I've now, I now stand as a vessel for the people and I stand for our humanity, not just being liberated once, but sustaining a liberated identity. And I know that in my life, this is heartbreaking, but also really heart opening, that I'll never be fully liberated because you're not liberated until everyone's liberated. But I know that I believe in us so much that I'll do everything I can to impact as many humans as I can in my life. And my hope is that whatever work I do in this lifetime creates more liberation for others in other lifetimes.
0: Before we continue, I wanted to share with you about the sponsor of this episode, Silver Biotics. Have you heard of silver as a supplement? Yeah, you heard that right. Silver. I've been hearing about its immune supporting properties for years and got to experience its power in its fullest this past season. I've been taking silver biotics daily to help keep my immune system on guard from those tiny body invaders. It has helped restore my immunity to recover and get back to business so quickly. Talk about a biohack. When used as a preservative, silver salt technology can inhibit the growth of bacteria, yeast, and mold in the product. Pretty cool, right? It can also help with oral health and skin conditions. Silver Biotics brand is perfect for taking control of your own health as they offer products in several health categories including dietary supplements for immune support, skin care, oral care, and wound care. Here's the thing, not all silver is made equal. Silver Biotics brand allows you to access the power of silver like never before. They've taken the old technology of silver and improved it to create the next generation of true colloidal silver products with their silver soul technology. In addition to using their immune support supplement, I've been using Silver Biotics Armor Gel. It's incredible for all kinds of cuts, wounds, burns, sun damage, and bee stings. I had our contractor use it the other day for exactly that, and being the country person that I am, I always have it handy. Silverbiotics Biotics products have super clean ingredients that have passed my personal test. There's no parabens, no synthetics or sulfates, and when they use scent, they only use the highest quality essential oils, not fragrance. I am also excited to test their toothpaste, so stay tuned for that. If you want to make a powerful addition to your daily routines and medicine cabinet, Silver Biotics is an awesome brand to check out and keep on your radar. Go to silverbiotics.com and use code Ksenia, K-S-E-N-I-A, for 20% off your first time order. That's dot com. code K-S-E-N-I-A, for 20% off. You can also find that link in the show notes. And now back to this episode. You talk about liberation and you speak of wealth. I would love to get into the frequency of what these huge concepts mean to you and how they manifest in your own life.
1: So the first one I always start with is the three different pillars, which is cash as an object and money as a relationship, wealth as an identity. This is the framework that we work within, within the house of we, the house of wealth embodiment. And what that allows us to do is leave the realm of cash, which is work hard to trade for an objective piece of money that gets us a specific need or a survival based thing to what's my overall relationship with money feel like? And where was that shaped starting with my bloodline? So it takes us out of the Very dogmatic, this or that manifestation conversation. And we move into this much more inclusive, juicy arena of perhaps my scarcity wasn't chosen by me. Perhaps I was chosen to transcend it. Perhaps the scarcity is not something I need to manifest my way out of. Perhaps it's a deepening in my devotion for liberation. Perhaps it represents something so much bigger than lack. It represents a lineage-based transformation for something that I likely don't even know how deep it's going to go. So we go there and then we ask the question, money, what is it like to be in relationship with me? That's why I have all my clients ask when they're first starting off in their journey. And what they receive in reflection is what is it like to be in relationship with yourself? Because more money equals more you and it's only going to reflect back a very core piece of who you are and then once we have that information we can begin to use the postures the wealth embodiment flow to open up the landscape of your wealth identity because if you never identify as wealth and to identify as wealth means to identify as a valuable human being if you look up the dif- dictionary dictionary definition of wealth it's value to be fulfilled a fulfilled plentiful valuable Person. So when we identify as that, our relationship with money changes tremendously. Our shame around money changes tremendously. And the way that we use it as a resource versus a solution to our problems changes tremendously. And then we can start to talk about building wealth, building value, compounding it and expanding it versus making it, earning it, manifesting it, which creates this output of doing, doing, doing versus becoming, being, emboldening.
0: How much of it would you say is energy work and ancestral clearing and healing versus mindset versus actions that we take in this 3D realm?
1: I think it's all of it. When you, Price Pritchett teaches this, that desire alone doesn't create. So you can want something all day, but that doesn't create it. At some point you have to pursue it. The art of pursuit is everything. And when you pursue with a wealth identity, the world that you create with money is much more bold and much more vast. If we're only pursuing cash, then we're trying to pursue a need that we think that cash is gonna give us. So we get to look at spending, we get to look at hoarding, we get to look at the ways we avoid our bank account. So I think that they all play a huge role together. And I believe that we're doing all three of those things at once. So there's no way you're going to address your ancestral financial breakthrough and then not pursue relentlessly and then not desire at the same time. So I think all of it's happening at once, and it's really about getting out of the head of this versus that and into the body of all of it's existing at once, all of it's happening at the same time. That's my holy yes. It's it's all omnipresent, surrounding, and so. There's, to me, an order, but there's not necessarily one or the other.
0: What was money's relationship like with you three years ago or more versus what it is like now?
1: We didn't have a relationship. Money was cash going in and out. We didn't have any relationship. I didn't have an identity of wealth. I had an identity of someone who was a damsel in distress. I very subconsciously, Thought that the more I was suffering, the more I would be loved. The more I was struggling, the more that people could show me that they loved me by how they helped me, supported me, got me out of it. So I had a damsel in distress identity, and I would actually create situations where I would test people's love for me. And I was really righteous and too proud to ask for help and too proud to truly open my heart. And so I didn't have a relationship with money, but I mishandled cash and was in a or connection with cash and wanting to get my needs met through the cash that I had. And then when I go deeper into, you know, there's second and first layer financial wisdom, I won't even call it trauma. It's really wisdom because our ancestors left behind art. They didn't just leave behind pain. What you can see is the feeling of when the money's there, you better do something with it because it's not always going to be there. So, that narrative played a huge role in how I spent money, how frequently I spent money, and how much I spent money. So, I never felt like I had money. And at the same time, when it was there, it, the narrative was already written of how to use it. So, a lot of people are using money with that unconscious, that default, here's how to use it. And then on top of that, we have our own lived experiences that shape the identity that we're in. So, those two combined. I had a very I had a relationship with with cash and I was really out of integrity.
0: And what is the relationship like
1: today? For me money feels like a ver- uh, aspect of my feminine. She's wild, she's free, she's liberated. She really doesn't want to be controlled, she wants to be circulated. She wants to be moved through the world in big big ways. And my wealth identity feels so steady. I feel like a solid ground of expansion and my can feel in my nervous system this deeper state of trust with the unknown and trust opening my heart. And I still have a long way to go. There's still so much evolution. I have no idea who I'm going to be three years from now, five years from now, because as I've created and built more wealth, there's been less excuses to negotiate with. There's been There's no longer the safest option anymore. It's, it's all risky this is risky, this is risky. Which one do you want to play with? And as we build more wealth, we finally can start to focus on all these other areas of our lives. So I focused on my relationship more, my health, my vitality, all the things that I didn't have time to look at because I didn't have money. I now get to look at. So the landscape is much more vast and it's not something I think about all the time. I just am. I One of our mantras in the house of we is, money is because you are. Money is because I am.
0: What you're speaking to is this idea of sitting with money, sitting with wealth, defining our relationship with it so that we can get past that. I think so much of conversation is so focused on making the money and creating a business, You know, especially in the entrepreneurial world. And what I've experienced is that when I allow myself to step out of this idea, I need to make it like I need to grow. I need to scale and I allow myself to sink into what's been created so far and be present with it and enjoy it and see what it's allowed me to create and how it's allowed me to circulate itself. That's when it grows. It's not when I sit down like, all right, this, this part of my business, you know, needs to like get scaled and make more money and this and that it's, it's much more, It's the opposite. It's when I sit down and I notice what it's doing in my life. And when I focus on other things like going to acupuncture, getting massages, getting crystal healings, being able to take a day to just lay in the grass and talk to the hummingbirds, all of these things to me, that's wealth. And it's so crazy how we're not taught that. It's so crazy how we go through life. And, you know, you said Jensen Sarah was the first money book you picked up and you were. In your almost 30s. And I find that it's so crazy. And I'm just so grateful that you are taking this stance and you are having these conversations with people in your community and beyond, because it's about time to revolutionize money being this end all, be all. I even last year, there was a moment where I learned about the concept of being funded by source from Monica Carota. Who learned it from her mentor, Michelle Sine, who ended up becoming my mentor. And for a few months, I actually renamed my podcast to Funded by Source because I love the idea of, all right, well, when I give myself fully to Source, to God, I trust that I'm funded. When I walk with God, I'm guided and the money flows in naturally because that has been my experience when the limiting beliefs don't take over. And then I realized that having the podcast be that, even though for a few months it felt very exciting it very much limited the conversation to that focus on money. That word funded, it feels so rigid and so masculine and so old paradigm that at some point I had to release that and I just put my name temporarily as the podcast name. There's a new podcast name that just got downloaded yesterday. I'm very excited to share it soon. But it's so interesting how the way we use concepts and words and the way we create context for our life experiences and for our work It really changes everything. Everything. Yeah. It feels...
1: The word funded, I can feel the even my body like, "Eh, I don't know how I feel about that word. But one thing that came over me in the process of taking on that approach, like you were just describing and fully allowing wealth to be these other areas of my life, not just the dogmatic, here's what we think of as like a white man in a suit or somebody in a big office it showed me that I am so provided for, that truly I am so provided for, and that money is not for me to own, it's for me to express. So anytime we go do those things, we're expressing our wealth, and that's what builds more of it. But we've been taught to own our money, which immediately puts us in fists. Let me me hold on to it. And we get so focused on what could potentially take it from us And we never actually enjoy it in the first place. And I see that a lot in entrepreneurs. A lot of the women that I've worked with before, they're they're celebrating six-figure years and even six-figure months and can't feel it. They can't feel it. All they can feel is the potential loss. All they can feel is the, well, how long is it going to stay here? When is it going to leave? They're so focused on who could take the blessing that they never let the blessing turn into a breakthrough. And I've seen it in my own company. I've seen it in the hundreds of women I've coached. It's something I talk about all the time. We have to let the sensation back in our bones. Otherwise, we'll never really feel our wealth and it'll never feel like enough. No matter how much we try, no matter how actualized we become. So I love that you're bringing this through because it's showing so many other examples to express wealth. And that's how we integrate it and create more. It's actually living it in our lives
0: and that brings us right back into the body into this felt knowing of being present and it sounds like when you were filing bankruptcy and it was this invitation to be present moment by moment that's where you you were just as present within your body and you were clearing that space so it all kind of goes back to that presence in the body whether we have it all By the world standards, or we have nothing. That's where the wealth begins. It's how fully, richly present can I be in my body? Yeah, and I
1: that just triggered a thought in a really beautiful way. I remember I said this yesterday. I'll just be fully transparent. I looked at my partner yesterday and I said, "Running a big company can be hard. It could be really hard." And yeah, filing bankruptcy was hard too. And I think people have this assumed vision that when you have all the money and you have the team and you have the big company that everything's going to be, you know, easier then and there are things that are definitely easier. But I am challenged daily still just in different ways. I'm just holding a different volume of power and I'm able to navigate and lead myself through these different scenarios in a much bigger way. But if I could tell the girl who was filing bankruptcy one thing it would be the bigger it gets the bigger it gets. The more you step into your power, the more you're stepping into responsibility. So one of the most humble lessons I had to learn over the last couple of years through my body is what's my relationship with responsibility? I know pressure. I know the pressure to move, but what about the responsibility to move? What's my relationship with that? And that's something in the last couple of years that I've really addressed and reworked within my nervous system because I used to have a deep fear of responsibility of that taking my freedom or not being able to follow through and that stunted my business and my income for a long time.
0: It's so interesting you bring that up because that's been something on my mind a lot. I'm noticing that there's this, when I think about, I feel the next phase of my work and being seen, it's so palpable. It's so close, like in a totally new way that hasn't existed before. And yet there's this fear of failure or fear of not being understood or something. And there's this fear of, I don't really want to be dealing with like the mechanics of running a big company. And I got this download the other day of, yes, it might stop making it hard before it even exists. Like there was this fear that I'll just be too busy and it'll be so hard. And then I realized The only times where it feels that way is when I'm trying on someone else's model of how they've done it, like a teacher or a mentor. And I'm looking at them I'm like, oh my gosh, if I was doing this, that feels so stressful. Well, duh, I'm not them. My expression of that is going to be uniquely mine. And even though at times it will feel like a lot, I will always be provided tools. I just have to trust my way and that it's going to be different, but I'm always going to be provided the tools and the support and the love and the everything. And that thought was so liberating and something about what you just said, just like brought all of that to the forefront. So thank you. I love that so, so much. Your
1: innovation is always going to be more fluid than modeling someone else's and it takes mental fortitude, but it doesn't take mental exhaustion. And I think we get to know the difference between those two and specifically in the coaching industry. This is such an important conversation because it's so tempting to take on somebody else's way because it was so successful and then try to fit it into your way. And oftentimes, again, that's where we're creating a whole nother mountain. So I'm excited for you. It's beautiful.
0: Thank you. I'm called to ask you about your teachers or teachings, anything or anyone who has been instrumental on your path that you feel called to mention and bring into the conversation. Sarah Jicks Roberts is a pastor that
1: shakes me to the bones. I adore her voice. I adore her reflection of God and the way that she's allowed herself to be a vessel for Christ and the relationship that's available there. So that's been huge on my journey. Revealing Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene Revealed was a huge book by Megan. Megan, actually I have her deck right here, Megan Watterson. And that restored my understanding of of Yeshua and the relationship that Yeshua plays in the world and the in the blueprint that Yeshua left for us as as humanity in terms of Mary Magdalene and the feminine that is available through Christ and that's been huge for me. I have the feeling to mention my father and my sister who are both the people that can get me to like a total tizzy of like code red, but also two of my greatest teachers. And also two of my greatest supporters and reflectors in terms of power and what's possible when we allow our too muchness to be known and seen. I feel really grateful that I grew up in, in an environment where even when I didn't want to hear it, I was told I'm meant to be big, and I'm meant to be bold. And not everybody had the privilege of hearing that. And I feel really lucky that my dad reminded me of that often. And God, the greatest teacher of all the greatest love of all, the greatest relationship. And in this moment, last night, I did an anger ceremony to release some things. And at the end of the ceremony, I don't know if you've ever released a bunch of anger. Then afterwards, everything goes silent. And I just wept. And I felt in my heart this fear of, did God leave me? Like, I can't see what's next. I can't fully see what's the next step. I was like feeling blind, you know, spiritually blind, energetically blind. And I felt this deep sadness of what have God left and this wash over of love of "Ah, there, there's no way that's, that's ever happening. And I'm mentioning that because that moment teaches me again and again, what's possible when we allow life to bring us to our knees. When we always have to stand tall and always have to be the teacher, or always have to be the student, or always have to be the one that's like figuring things out, we forget to let life bring us to our knees, and that's when the greatest teachings arrive and when the greatest miracles happen. So it just brought back to that moment of right now. I feel so open and raw. Like everything I've learned means nothing, and everything I'm about to understand is meaning everything. So you're catching me right in the in between of a huge ego death of unknowing a lot so that this next evolution for me can come through. But the people that I mentioned are alive right now and I'm happy that I said their name and and that they've been a part of my journey.
0: Wow, thank you for sharing this glimpse in where you are in the journey, in the void. It is such a special place to be and it is so courageous to allow yourself to be seen in that process. So thank you for your trust in this sacred space. Yeah, I could feel that here. So another thing that keeps coming through that you mentioned is you mentioned that your method, wealth embodiment flow, you channeled. How does the process of channeling feel and look like in your life? Is that something that you intentionally create the space and you say, okay, God, give me the download? am ready or does it just pop in when you're not expecting what's your relationship particularly in the business realm with channeling for me personally
1: as a manifester i get really big ideas i get visions i see things and i have to be very discerning of what is mine to move forward and what's mine to initiate in someone else so that's one thing that my creative channel feels like is i'm momentum for other people and i also know that i'm here to initiate my own movements. So wealth embodiment flow came at a time when I was really frustrated. That's usually when the most, the most beautiful downloads come. And I was so frustrated with the money teachings and just the lack of depth that they held and that they were all sounding the same, but I felt something in my gut that like I couldn't shake off. So I remember going in my living room and like, if I could just shake off scarcity, if I could just rip it off, like That would be what I want right now versus like having to do all these affirmations and stuff. And then that turned into my own practice. And I started to visualize this movement, like this sequence. I remember being in Sedona and I was sitting on the floor of the Airbnb and I had my notebook open and I just wrote down every posture. It's like something takes over and it's like, it's this and then this and then this and then this. I read something today that faith often comes to you when you're moving, not when you're sitting still. So I had to start moving. I had to just go and do the practice. And then all of a sudden it it came. But if I would have sat there and been like, okay, I'm ready. Come now. It wouldn't have happened. I would have been stuck. So I remember being in the motion and in the work and in the practice. And it was like, boom, here it is. And then I practiced on myself. Then I gave my private clients the opportunity. I started to see it change their lives. Because at first I thought that this was a fluke. It's just something as a yoga teacher, I'll just do this on my own. No one in the industry was really talking about nervous system healing or now it's such a regulated or a regular conversation. But at the time to bring up money through the body felt, I didn't even know how to market that. It felt very strange. And so I kept it secret for a while and then launched it as a course. Nobody signed up. I think two people signed up. Felt like nobody at the time. Anybody who's had that happen can relate. It feels like no one came, even though two people came and then i got the hit this isn't supposed to be a course it's meant to be a membership and a lifestyle but at the time i didn't know how to hold that i didn't even know how to start a membership so again the ideas come when i'm moving the downloads come when i'm in the trusted faith of my actions not when i'm sitting and waiting for an answer because a download's not an answer a download is a call and you're either too busy to answer the phone or you are so connected to the line that you can't help but answer the phone. So it's it's often like me being in the faith of the momentum already and then trusting what's gonna be moved through it from that place.
0: All right, this was a quotable. A download is not an answer, it's a call. That is so, so powerful because you're right. If we hear the downloads, we get the most incredible visions, but we do nothing about it whether we implement it ourselves or share it with someone else. Like you said, I'm a manifestor as well. And I didn't realize that I can yeah, implement. It I love to somebody that. Else to implement. So thank you for that new pathway. I have like a whole poster about being a manifestor over there.
1: Oh, I love that. I never meet. Man- I meet like one manifestor every once in a blue moon. So it's always special.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So how you phrase that a download is not an answer. It's a call it is so true. And are we going to pick it up? And are we going to take action? I've had some of the most epic downloads I've never taken action on. I've had some downloads that needed time to, to steep in and for me to upgrade my cellular being and to make space to be able to take action on them, to like really do it from an embodied place. And there's been some downloads that come in that activate me, activate something within me, and then they leave like they weren't meant to come into manifestation in the world they were just meant to come in to activate me to do the next thing and it's so interesting to like have this nuance of tuning into which one is which and allowing them all to exist definitely oof I love that so much
1: and as a manifester, there's so much freedom in that because we're here to start a lot of different things. And if I have to move every single thing through or every single thing is for me to act on, that can clog my channel. So it's really listening for which call is yours and which call you're meant to deliver. A lot of times we're delivering a call for someone else to respond to as an initiator. And that's been so humbling as well, because I think as a manifester, we like to be center stage we like to be in the middle of it all like initiating making things happen having things be innovated and it's so beautiful when a manifester learns how to be in community and learns how to send out the bat signals and create creating leadership within others that's when as a manifester i feel so much peace and so much satisfaction
0: yeah back from to that conversation of being a lone wolf we don't have to do it alone and when we enrich our community with the, some of the downloads that are coming in, it actually ends up benefiting everybody. All right. Well, that's a download I'll be definitely sitting with. So Explore. <laughs> I feel like that's
1: something yes. for you there.
0: <laughs> yes. So much. Also, you brought in the word continuum in the beginning. And the way that I didn't know what the dictionary definition of it is, but to me, continuum is similar to infinity. And interestingly enough, The podcast, new podcast name download that came in yesterday that I've been praying for for years now is actually uh, centered around the sign of infinity. So it's very interesting that you bring that in before I've shared it with anybody besides my husband. Wow. Lots of synchronicity there. Okay. Taking it all in, taking it all in. God, we hear you. Thank you. (laughs) Hallelujah, love it, love it. So (laughs) there's another huge thing that I have heard you speak about that honestly changed everything that was such an activation. And I've tried to reproduce it to my husband and it sounded so ridiculous, so ridiculous. So I would love you to explain it in your words again. I'm on on the the edge of my seat, what is it? (laughs) It's this concept of releasing the idea of needing to be enough, it's not about I am enough, but it's about I am, and that frequency shift when we release the striving to be enough and we just allow ourselves to be. Will you please speak to that in your beautiful poetic ways as you do?
1: Well, here's the thing with that teaching, and it's it's such a confronting teaching because it requires you to be in that dance that I talked about earlier of I am nothing, and it requires you to surrender with the unseen forces, God, the relationship that makes you enough (laughs) like god is the creator that created you so without that in my experience in my body there there is something missing i'm not enough on my own god created us as collaborative human beings god created us as one humanity so if i am a lone wolf or i am needing to figure out how to be enough what i'm usually subconsciously trying to do is unneed people I need validation, I need acknowledgement. I don't want to need those things because when I need them, I feel less than. But when I surrender to the fact that maybe I'm not enough by myself, and that's not bad, it doesn't mean that I'm wrong or it doesn't mean that I'm out. It means that I have a deeper space to collaborate with people, to need my people, to love people, to deepen in love. God started with one, but needs two to create impact. So on our own, we're limited. And there's this humble moment of, I am because I am. I am of worth. I was created of worth. I was created by the creator of enoughness. So I don't need to focus on that. I get to then be in intimate partnership with life and other people.
0: Oh, so beautiful. Thank you for that. Hmm. As we wrap up this multidimensional and powerful and activating conversation. (laughs) I feel like we're two mad
1: scientists in this room,
0: like pulling apart all these paradigms (laughs) and narratives together. Yes. I love it. I love it. I'm like hot. My body's on fire. Like typically (laughs) when I'm recording podcasts, I get really hot because there's just so many ideas like pulsing through and so many activations happening, taking a deep breath. Um, So as we, begin to wrap up is there anything that I did not ask you about that you feel called to share I feel wonderful this was beautiful
1: and I pray into the vision that whoever's listening can feel each word and that each person walks away with a deeper understanding of themselves and life money business and where they
0: get to go next and that it doesn't have to look like any other existing blueprint And that it takes that listening and that surrender and the making space in our bodies to move forward, to define our own path. Body leads, mind follows. So beautiful. What is the best way for everybody to connect with you, Victoria, and your work?
1: Instagram is where we put out the most content. So I am Victoria Washington on Instagram. And then if you're interested in any of the sacred money work that I talked about, wealthembodimentflow.com or at the house of we on Instagram would be the place to come hang out.
0: Perfect. Thank you so, so much for the generosity of your presence and the wisdom and the willingness to play and co-create in these powerful and fun realms. I've loved
1: every minute of this. Thank you so much for having me. Mm, It's my joy.
0: This conversation resonated with you, and you like me are deep into the topic of wealth and redefining what it means to you in your life. Make sure you listen to episode 205, where I share my own wealth journey and recent teachings and breakthroughs that have been changing my whole relationship with money and with wealth in my and every area of my life, to be honest, business and personal. So check that out. And then also episode 206 with Ali Silern is all about quantum business, about coaching, and about sacred business and co-creating with the soul of your business. Ellie will be coming back on the podcast soon to share more about her teachings on money. I'm excited about that, so stay tuned. But 206 with Ellie is extremely powerful and really takes the podcast to a whole new level, which is super timely with the upcoming name change which is an invitation into a whole new depth of the world that is this podcast that i'm so grateful you're sharing this journey with me and i also want to reference episode 6 which was 4 years ago i believe when i just started the podcast one of my very first guest was nilima butt she is the writer of the book shakti leadership which is one of my all-time favorite books on leadership from a feminine place from intuition and to be honest with you, when I listen back to these first episodes, even like the first one or two years, I sound so different and my accent is so much more prominent. Anyway, I'm not very proud of those first episodes and I'm so grateful for how far I've come with my ability to hold space and manage my voice most of the time. But I am still very much called to point out episode six with Naomi Bhatt because one of the things that she shares about one of her teachings is. The body is to be taken along on the journey of leadership. And that concept and her wisdom is really profound. So if you're interested in exploring feminine energetics and how they apply to your leadership and how you can bring your full self into your leadership roles in your life, definitely check that out. Thank you for tuning in and have a blessed rest of your day. You'll hear from me next week. If you're moved by what was shared in this episode and not sure how to take action, start by writing it down. When we notice abundance and clarity in all shapes and forms and honor it, it grows. And if you're called to share the podcast with someone who you know is ready to receive it, follow that. Find all episodes, show notes, and current offerings on XeniaBrief.com. Subscribe to Xenia Brief Podcast on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a review, and take one deep breath into the knowing that's already within you.